This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to this latest show here. So we've heard from Nick Holton um, from Star and Sell Before We Die about the current situation at Reading Football Club. Reading fans were meeting today with the EFL so we wanted to cover that in a little bit more detail. We also want to cover all the possibilities as well. Um, So what I've done is I've got another special guest and from Reading today, it is a pleasure to welcome on sports journalist Andy Preston. Welcome to the show, Andy. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, really good, Craig. Thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. And as I did mention yesterday in the show uh, with Nick Colton, um, you know, I was born and bred in Reading, um, moved down into Bournemouth in 2008 and um, followed both sides effectively through the journeys. Um, Bournemouth at the time, of course, in 2008, were skint um, and in trouble themselves. But the situation at Reading is, and we're saying off air, actually, even though the outcome could well be the same, which could be administration at this point, They're two very different situations because Bournemouth had no money. They were being funded by a chairman who was just putting money to, or a CEO, I should say, and Jeff Mostyn, trying to keep the club going. Whereas Reading have got this owner who supposedly got a billion dollars in the bank, but isn't willing to spend it. But, 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 um, we was also talking off air, has he really got that money? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting um, debate because right now we don't really know. Um, you know, he's got all these assets, he's owned football clubs in the past, but right now he's not willing to fund the football club. And whether that's him not being able to get his money out of China or just a complete uh, reluctance to fund the football club, you know, we, we don't have the answer to that. And it's not an answer we're going to get anytime soon because no one get 
any direct communication with him or rarely any direct communication with his CEO, Dion Pang, although he did mm. speak on Talk Sport this morning. I believe that's the first ever public interview he's done. Um, you know, we've been lobbying him for a long time, all us local journalists, to get an interview with him. Um, hopefully, we will be able to speak to him at some point over the next few weeks. But, you know, they, these owners have been in place for seven years and we've, we've barely had a word from them. There was a um, press release that come out yeah. by the football club today. And it basically went through the, you know, it was the same sort of talk, wasn't it? The same scenario of we know times are hard. But the bit that really shocked me was trying to shift the blame back onto the fans for that mm -hmm. protest um, at the weekend against Port Vale, because that protest had to happen, I think. Yeah. In my honest opinion, it had to happen. It was building up and building up and building up. Firstly, because of the ground, they were saying about the pitch and everything. Um, but also, you know, to members of staff. Now, my big question here, and, you know, one thing that, you know, it would be good to get your input on, is that they're saying that that had a negative impact on yeah. several members of staff. But surely Dayong has been doing that for the past couple of years when he's been paying people late. I think, if I'm right in thinking, you might be able to correct me with this, that the staff didn't get their wages before Christmas mm -hmm. on their payday. Um, the redundancies that happened around there. Um, surely that's what has really contributed to negative um negative mentality to members of staff at the club yeah exactly that i i was a bit taken aback by the statement of course they have to come out and put something out mm -hmm. and you know they can't condone fans going on the pitch for obvious reasons but yeah you know like you said to put the blame back on the fans for damaging the pitch i, I think the whole way the uh, statement was worded was clumsy I, I don't know who who that's been written by um you know, in terms of communication, I think they've not gone about it in the right way. Um, and like you mentioned as well, Craig, to to say that members of staff have had their reputation damaged by it, I think that's complete rubbish, to be honest. Um, yeah. I don't think fans of Reading or of any other club would, would look badly upon anyone at the club other than uh, the owner and the CEO. Um, so to say that people have had their reputations damaged seems really odd phrasing to me. Um, you know, we had Mark Bowen come out, I think a couple of months ago and speak on ITV really well and openly about the situation. Since that, we've not heard from him. Um, I think that's because probably the owner has silenced him in the last couple of months and doesn't want him going out on national TV and telling people transparently about the situation because you know, ultimately that comes back on Mr. Dye and looks badly on his part. Um, so, yeah, to, to say that members of staff have had their reputation damaged, I, I think is completely inaccurate. I think the only one that's had his reputation damaged is, well, two people, Dayong Pang and Dayong. Um, those are the only two people. And 
when you are because a lot of owners you know not many owners get really involved and speak to the fans and it's normally at smaller clubs than ready mm-hmm. when they do that um so that's nothing new but when there's an issue when there's a challenge when there's a problem they normally come out but there's nothing from this man there's nothing from this man nobody even knows where he is yeah i mean it's been radio silence pretty much throughout his whole time and i think in the early years some people just accepted that when that's the way things had to be mm-hmm. but you know when when the club goes into crisis and salaries aren't being paid people are being made redundant you know the women's team have had funding cut completely you'd expect some kind of open communication um just to explain what's going on i think it's completely unfair to leave people in the dark as much as they have um and you know you often hear you know he, he doesn't speak english so yeah okay he can't come out and you know speak openly with the press and have interviews um but, you know, he's he's got people in place that could do that. Um, but as far as we know, the only people that Mr. Dai has direct contact with are Dion Pang and Kia Drabjian. And, um, you know, those people haven't covered themselves in glory at all with their matters with the football club. Um, and like you said before, the, the most damaging thing is things that, Mr. Dye has done himself, like not paying wages. We've come on to Keir, actually, because it's it's some quite an interesting story because he, yeah. back in the day, was the person who ran the Tevez Mascarano incident mm-hmm. for West Ham. Um, he's been involved in a number of football clubs. He's a bit one of these super agents, a little bit like George Mendes, you could say, at Wolves. Yeah. He's one of these super agents, but he's really not because (laughs) a lot of what he's done is just lined his own pockets. And is there a case here that, because it doesn't seem like Dai Yong's been spending his own money and saying, right, you know, he he spent out about 200 million. That's Mm -hmm. what's to be believed. It doesn't seem like he spent all, none of that money himself, really and has left it in the hands of somebody like Dai Yong Pang, mm-hmm. um, who has then gone to Kia Jira, I can't even say his name, Kia, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and it seems like they've got this situation going, where which has led Reading up a garden path, and with mountains and mountains and mountains of debt, money just pouring from the football club into Kia's back pocket. Yeah, well, Keir Drabjian's, you know, had his involvement in Reading ever since Mr. Dai came in. And um, that was kind of always an open secret. Um, it's now been confirmed over the last couple of years. Everyone knows that Keir Drabjian is very much in the ear of the owner and is advising him. And, you know, in the opinion of pretty much everyone, advising him very, very badly. Um, I think it's often a stereotype that foreign owners might not have the most interest in football and don't know what's going on. But I think in this case, it's very real. Mr. Dyke does not have an interest in football. He really does not know the first thing about football. And the people he's got in place are in the same position. Dion Pang has no 
previous, you know, in football and really doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so as far as he's concerned, Mr. Dai is taking the advice of Keir Drabjian. Um, and you, you can just look at his transfer spending ever since he's come in. None of it is joined up thinking. You just look at, you know, buying George Puskas and Lucas Zhao in the same window. They're, they're two players that were never going to be able to form a partnership up front. And the club has, you know, set out record transfers there. And, you know, there's, there's no joined up thinking at all. There's no forward thinking of how that's going to work. It's just him spending his means to try and get the team in the Premier League. And I think, you know, he's been sold a dream. And, yeah, like I said, it's been advised very, very badly by the wrong people. You know, I could have asked Nick about this yesterday because, um, of course, as part of Sell Before We Die and Star, you know, he's probably involved in what happens, whereas you're more in the media side of things, mm -hmm. um, albeit a fan. Now, the one thing I was going to ask you, though, is this has happened against Port Vale, this pitch protest. Fans on the pitch, it had to happen. Yeah. Um, Dayong could have listened at any point. He could have listened during the march. He could have listened against about the tennis balls, anything else. But he left it so, so long. And I think, you know, the sympathy from the football world is because all of those things have happened beforehand and he's not listened. Nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. In fact, it's just got worse. Mm -hmm. um, now we've had that protest on the pitch. The game abandoned. Is there anywhere really, though, that Reading fans could actually go to? Or what would be the next step? What could? Is it another protest on the pitch? Another abandonment? Does it happen every single game? Um, you know, what could actually finally make this man listen? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's a discussion I was having with a couple of other local journalists earlier about what does happen at the next home game? Is there another on-the-pitch protest? Is that the right thing to do? Does that make the same impact? Or do people start getting frustrated when you know games are constantly getting postponed and there's no progress? You know, does Mr. Dye listen? Has he even you know taken into consideration the significance of what has happened? I don't know. I can't answer that. Um, we can only hope that he has. Um, I think the EFL have made it pretty clear they don't have the direct power to force him to sell. They're, yeah. you know, like they're saying, they are doing as much as they possibly can to get him to sell. But right now, they don't have the power to do that. Um, yeah, so I think the next steps for the protest group um, are possibly going to the EFL HQ to to protest or going to Mr. Dye's residence. Um, but right now we don't know where Mr. Dai is, if he's in the country or not. Uh, we know he has property in London and a casino that he owns in London. So whether that's the next step that the protest step, uh, sorry, the protest group takes, we'll have to wait and see. The EFL um, have, well, let's be honest. Let's take it back a step. The EFL, except accepted the application from Dai Yong mm -hmm. to actually buy the club in uh, 2017. Yeah. Um, that was after the Premier League rejected him for Hull City. So 
there's been 16 points deducted. I think the EFL know that they've really dropped a ball here. Um, but they do seem to now be on the club, the club side, the fan side, um, and seem to be going after Dae Yong just himself. <laughs> they've, yeah, we spoke to the EFL earlier today. Um, mm-hmm. And they kind of gave us a brief about, you know, updates of what's happening. I think they've recognised now that fining Mr. Dai is kind of insignificant because he he's not going to pay those fines. They know that. And, you know, the, the way they're going after him is by imposing fines. But what good does that do if he's not going to pay those? Um, but they've also noted that, you know, punishing the club is also not the way to go. Giving them points deductions is not the way to go. It's not going to fix anything yeah um and like you noted he tried to buy hull the year before he bought reading mm-hmm. um that sale didn't go through uh that's been brought up to the efl what why wasn't that a red flag when they looked at his application they said that um they had to take his application to the efl on on its own merits and that at the time there was no disqualification in their regulations that they saw. Um, so they went ahead and ratified it. And yeah, I, I hope they see that they've made a mistake and that they're trying to resolve it and doing all they can now to help a sale go through. Um, you know, but th- this has been going on for months and fans have now had to take drastic action into their own hands. It should never have got to this state you know this should have been cleared up months ago and no fans never would have had to have got to this state but sadly it has had to go this far one thing that i did bring up with nick yesterday um is with regards to if the club go into administration now clubs like like we're saying normally go into administration because they've been ran uh, or the owners haven't got the money you know, a good example is Bournemouth on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of clubs' owners run out of money. Um, you know, Simon Jordan, for all his, you know, criticism of the protests, you know, towards his the end of his time at Crystal Palace, was running out of money. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he had to do something. He had to sell the club. He had to make a change. Um, with this situation... It's not like that. Dai Yong, you know, is believed to have money. It's believed to be able to fund the club. Um, the two things is, you know, administration. If if the football club goes into administration, you know, because it's run out of money, I'm guessing the same rules apply. But if the EFL ban Dai Yong from running the football club, ban mm-hmm. him as director... Surely that's a forced administration if the club then go to into administration because of that sole reason. Yeah, that, that's something again that we brought up with the EFL um, about mm-hmm. them trying to disqualify him. And that had to go to an um, independent panel and they recommended that a fine was the way to go rather than disqualifying him. Why they came to that decision, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's something we definitely want answers to. Um but at the time, that, that was their recommendation, that a fine was the appropriate action to take. Um, in terms of administration, I think, 
that's quite a complex issue and one that you probably have more knowledge um, yeah. than me on in terms of Bournemouth situation. Just on that, how how drawn out was that process for Bournemouth in terms of having their owner take the club into administration? Very. Very. It was a very, very drawn out process, um, but it was quite clear that that was the route that it was going. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a case that the club shop, you know, all the stock was being taken out by bailiffs from the club shop and yeah. then having to be returned, being paid for again, returned. Um, and that was a cycle that continued for month after month after month after month. Jeff Mostyn was having to put down his own money, uh, having to sell items that he owned to actually keep the club going you know don't get me wrong he's got all that money back and rightly so but at that time it was very much touch or go it could have been a case in fact Gerald Krasner turned around and said you know to Jeff Mostyn get in your car drive away and don't even ever think about it again but he kept Bournemouth going but that was a situation where Bournemouth had no money. Mm-hmm. And Dai Yong, it's believed, he's got a casino. He's got a massive house, you know, next to Buckingham Palace. He's got all these assets, you know. And like Sir John Medeski says, mm-hmm. you know, he should be able to manage this football club in a way that he can look after it you know, maybe not spend loads and loads of money on transfers and things like that. I don't think Reading fans are asking for that. But to make sure that, A, there's no unnecessary player sales, which looks like it's going to happen. But, B, you know, make sure that this sort of situation, and it's a smooth sale, but it seems like he's got, A, the club into a lot of debt, He's not really bothered by it. He's just hiding away. Nobody knows where he is. He's lost complete and utter interest. Um, and he's quite happy for the club to be asset stripped effectively. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point as well. You bring up about, you know, fans aren't demanding him to come in and spend all that money. That That's never, you know... Of course, fans want their club to spend some kind of money, but um, yeah. they weren't demanding them to spend, you know, eight million on Pushkas, seven million on Sonny Luko at the time. Um, yeah, you, you just want an, un, uh, an owner that's going to come in and fund the club adequately and pay wages on time. That should be the bare minimum. And it, another point you mentioned there with owning assets, you know, Reading have a fantastic training ground, which he invested in. Just... To let that all blow away and be for nothing, it, it's just such a travesty. You know, they've got Premier League level facilities there. And it, it just seems mad that he would be willing to invest in all of that and let it go to nothing. Um, it just it's just seems such a mad, mad situation. Reading have got a stadium and, you know, like you say, the training ground that Bournemouth could only dream of, yeah. really only dream of but just going back to the earlier point you know with regards to administration Mm -hmm. because like I say most clubs go into administration because the owners are skin because the owners skin if it's a case where Dai Yong is just showing that he's just not a fit and proper person considering the EFL have made a mistake by giving him the keys 
to run the football club in the first place. My argument with the EFL now would be if their disqualification of him, which I think is going to happen, I think it's got to happen. Hmm. They've got to go back to that independent commission and say, he's not done it again. We have to disqualify it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. In my honest opinion, that will probably put Reading Football Club into administration, which will probably be, you know, even though it sounds like it's a horrible thing to go through, is probably the best way out of this because a new owner can come in, you know, pay like how many pence in the pound? Yeah. And, you know, clear it all and start afresh, you know, probably from League Two level if the points deductions do arise. But my argument with that is because it's a completely different scenario, should the points deductions apply? That's that's a really good point. Um, I, I don't know. Is, is that the case, you know, if a club goes to the drug administration, is it, I think it's 15 points that come off. It's 10 normally. It's 10. 10. Yeah. It's 10 normally, unless rules have changed, which, you know, it's very, very possible. Um, you know, of course, there was the 17 points that come off Bournemouth, but of course, there was irregularities and things like that as well mm-hmm. that was built into that. Um, but personally, I don't think it's a similar, it, it's not the same sort of situation this man has got money but he's just neglected the whole club he's walked away from the club and the fans and you know whoever is the next owner needs to be protected yeah i think that's a really good point to make you know it had if the club goes into administration and the 10 points come off that's effectively you know consigning reading to league two pretty much because you know it's going to be tough enough already for them to stay in league one um if 10 points come off it's gonna look very unlikely that they'll survive um yeah and i think a lot of the fans have probably come to the realization that administration could be the best way for the club to eventually go forward and you know that that's the situation that no fan should ever have to be in that they're wishing that their club will go into administration just to get rid of this man um you know that that's the sad reality of it now and um like you say with going to the independent panel and recommending that um disqualification is the way to go i think that is the only way to go because you know they've recognized that fines are the only way to impose some kind of um disqualification against him it's it's i'm sorry punishment against him but that's not having any kind of effect because like we mentioned before, he's not paying the fines. So surely Mm. disqualification is the only way to go. It 
doesn't seem that he's that bothered about you know the money that he's put into the football club. He yeah. doesn't seem very bothered about the value of the football club, even though one of my you know suggestions and one of my thought processes was that Reading effectively, you know, the EFL need to make Reading Football Club worthless to Die Young, not mm-hmm. to everybody, but worthless to him as a person. Um, and one of the suggestions I made as well was select Carl Leeson, um, you know, and I don't know, you might have more information on this because, of course, they paid players wages on a number of occasions, which, you know, they probably won't get back. You know, mm. touch wood, they will do. Um, they've paid it because they're Reading fans. But if they were to put a charge against, say, for example, the stadium or the club or the Bearwoods, you know, would that help, you know, reduce the value of Reading Football Club to a point where Dai Yong is like, it's not worth anything to me. I might as well just sell the football club or put into administration to get back what I can. Yeah, and I think right now we're seeing a situation where it appears as if he's holding on for as long as possible so that he can asset strip the club and try and get as yeah. much value as possible. And you mentioned it before with, with the um, potential player sales. Um, that seems inevitable that first-team players are going to be sold off. It looks like they're going to be sold off for a cut price, but ultimately that's probably money that's going in his pocket rather than the finances of the football club. So it appears you know, this is the last resort for him to make as much money as he can from stripping assets from the club before, you know, it's either sold or goes into administration. Reading really, you know, and this is going back to my childhood under Sir John Medeski was one of the best ranked football clubs in the country. Yeah, It was a football club that everybody else looked up to really in mm-hmm. the EFL. Um, shiny new stadium, you know, Hogwood was a good training ground in itself. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, it's not where Bearwood is. You know, Bearwood is one of the best out there, um, which is why it's even more ridiculous that Reading Football Club could be playing in League Two next season. Um, but it, with that sort of legacy, you know, Sir John Medeski and Eamon Dolan, building up the academy, you know, what he did with that. To see that all go to waste, you know, it's like the polar opposite. And it's sad, really, you know, that, let's be honest, Category 1, the academy status, is probably going to be lost because of Dai Yong. Exactly. And it's already been lost once before. And, you know, the people working in the academy had to fight tooth and nail and put in so much work to get that status back and you know that that's going to be revoked if um things keep going as as they are and the academy is such a big thing for this club like you mentioned with Eamon Dolan all the work he did the legacy he built um all the players that have come through and under his watch yeah it's just such a shame because Reading built that legacy and um had that reputation, like you say, of being one of the best-run clubs in the EFL. Um, they they always lived within their means under John Modeski. You know, some people might have moaned at the time that they probably didn't spend enough money. You know, if you look back in hindsight now, the way he ran the club was fantastic and managed to get them into the Premier League twice, you know, with, with a minimal budget, really. Yeah. And, you know, even when they 
got promoted into the Premier League, never never spent big. Um and you know, had some amazing you know, the first season in the Premier League was absolutely incredible and they managed to do that without spending big. Um in the second time around under Brian McDermott too, you know, they they were very much living within their means and you know, to, to look where it's gone now is just it's a tragedy. I think, you know, the clubs and and the best way to you've seen it with Luton really, where they've done it shrewdly to actually get themselves into, you know, the position that they have, you know, in the Premier League. I think it's gonna be difficult for them to stay there. But you know, it was difficult for Reading to stay there, but mm. it was all credit to Steve Coppel and the side that he built, mm. why they did that season. Um, and it was over a period of time, but where Dai Yong has seemed to want instant success, but bought terribly, terribly. Yeah. Remember, he was a game away from being a Premier League chairman, this man. Yeah, exactly. I think, he, you know, at the time he was, you know, trying to fast track the, uh, the team into the Premier League. And mm-hmm. like you say, being one kick away from it, you know, he, he probably expected him to get promoted that season. And then... When they didn't, you know, he he threw he threw loads of money at it, and um, you know, I think sold everyone a dream that he would be able to get them into the Premier League. And I remember speaking to Jose Gomez when he was manager at the time, and I think you know he was sold that dream of going into the Premier League too, and you know, very much riding the coattails of the ownership at the time, who were you know spending well what we now know is way above their means and. And it's the reason why they were punished so significantly for breaching the profitability and sustainability rules. Um, you know that's come back to bite them massively. You know, and they were hoping they could get that short-term success, and and they weren't able to do it. And the consequences are being felt now. And it's you know ultimately not Mister Dye that's being punished for it. Cause like you say, he seems happy to be able to well maybe not happy, but just doesn't care that he's thrown away hundreds of millions of pounds. It's, it's the fans and the staff that are feeling the effects now. I think, you know, before we come on to the like final point, what I do want to mention is a little bit of a positive. And this is the players and the management staff. You know, I think Ruben Sellers has been criticised by some fans, but has been absolutely outstanding in his whole approach to this situation and how he's handled this because you know during i think it was january wasn't it he he didn't take his wages at all Mm -hmm. didn't take his wages at all so his approach has been first class um and the players you know i've seen a number of games this season the eastley cup game um of course you know a defeat against lower league opposition. But, you know, like I was saying to my dad after that game, I said, you would have thought that Reading would have been non-league side because it was all youngsters. Whereas Mm -hmm. Eastley had players that had been playing in the EFL beforehand in their squad. Um, And for them to do what they've done. And of course the Wiggins game as well, I watched um, at home. And I think, for them to get, you know, themselves into a position where they are, let's be honest, Reading would be out the relegation zone without his points deduction, without Dai Yong again, without his yeah. what he's inflicted. 
to get the, the, the position in the, that position where they can get out of this trouble if there's no more points deductions it's outstanding really from a young group of players yeah firstly on the point there of Ruben Sellers, I think he's been a class act pretty much throughout his time here and yeah fair enough people can have criticisms about you know his tactical direction and maybe being a bit too stubborn not to change change it up quickly enough but um some changes have been made now and I think we've seen that in recent months the, the results have started to turn around and like you mentioned as well it's a really young team a lot of them playing first team football for the first time and gaining that experience and doing it under the turmoil of what's happening at the club too so it's been a really tough situation for them um yeah Ruben Sellers is you know I think he's had to take a step back and try to separate himself from the issues that are happening at the club and realizing he can't have the impact that he wants um in terms of the you know the sale of the club he can't have any direct impact on that as much as he would like to um but yeah not taking his wages in December was very much the right thing to do from him and Mark Bowen. And I think, you know, right now they're doing all they, all they can. I know that the answer to this question is going to be as soon as possible um, from Reading fans. And that is really, when does this need to end? You know, as soon as possible would be the right answer. But... From a logical way of thinking about this, the situation as it is, is Dayong is nowhere to be seen. You know, nobody can get hold of him apart from Dayong Pang. Um, how long, when does this need to end, you know, logically? So before it is a huge, it's already a huge problem, but before it's very, very dangerous and threatens even the existence of the football club. Yeah, I, I still think this process could take months. Um, you know, even if a sale is agreed, and that doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon, although we're told by the EFL that there are still interested parties out there, but whether sales talks have progressed to any significant rate that we'll see a sale in the next few months, I'm not sure. I'm quite sceptical over that. Um, even once a sale has been agreed, that it's still going to take a good six to eight weeks, I believe, for a whole full takeover to, you know, for the processes to go through. So this is still going to be a long-term thing, and you know, it doesn't look like there's any end. Um, you know, I I don't want to be negative about it, but I think we have to be realistic. There's no, you know, immediate conclusion in sight. Um, as sad as that is. Um, yeah, for fans to be worried about the existence of their club is something that should never happen. Football clubs have to be protected. You know, Reading is one of the oldest clubs in the, in the whole of the EFL. And, you know, for it to even be a question whether they could be in existence this time next year is, you know, that's just shameful that that question is even there. It's an absolute disgrace what this man has done you know, and why the EFL have given them the keys. There needs to be more power from the EFL to remove these people, you know, forcefully from these football clubs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
in my honest opinion, you know, and why I, why I did ask that question, I hope it come across well or, you know, made sense because it's a difficult one to explain because the answer is as soon as possible. You mm -hmm. know, everybody wants him gone as soon as possible. But when does it become dangerous? You know, in my view, if this isn't sorted by the start of next season, we are talking about a situation where Barry were in where they're asking the question, can the club conclude the season? Can the club conclude the League Two season? No no way do Reading Football Club want any points deductions in League Two and even threaten dropping out the Football League in yeah. any sense. I don't think that'll happen. Don't think that'll happen. And I think in the long run, somebody will buy the club. It's not going to go the way of Beijing Ren or the KSV Rosley Touchwood. But I think by the start of next season, you know, would you agree with me? It has to be done because otherwise the EFL are going to ask, can you complete the season? Yeah, I think you're completely right. It has to be done before the start of next season or, you know, the the football club can't continue this way. They they can't be funded throughout another season or not funded throughout another season. Um, so yeah, this has to be resolved as quickly as possible. Of course, the ownership has to go into the right hands. It can't just be sold to anyone. You know, Dion Pang made that point this morning, calling for patience and ironically saying that the football club needs to go into the right hands. Um, you know, course being ironic because right now the club's not in the right hands mm -hmm. um yeah it, it has to go to the right owner whether that person's out there or not remains to be seen we can only cross our fingers and hope that the right person is out there the right owners out there to fund the club adequately just do the bare minimum of paying staff on time and you know making sure there is a future for the for this football club that that is the bottom line really that there has to be a future for Reading Football Club I think he's got a cheek telling Reading fans to be patient because I think Reading fans yeah. are some of the most patient fans in football and I think you know any other club's football fans would have already kicked off big time because of this situation um you know we would be where where Reading were on Saturday, probably November, October time, you know, with a lot of other clubs. So he's had patience from Reading fans. Mm -hmm. And I think Dayong Pang now needs to go to Dayong and turn around and say, this game is up. You've got to get out of here quickly. Yeah. Uh, the Reading fans have been incredibly patient. Well, you know, the protest group have been doing fantastic work over the months. And, you know, finally, this story is getting the recognition it deserves on a national level and international level. Um, yeah, like you said, the fans have been incredibly patient and, you know, they've had to take drastic action now. And, you know, that, that's been ramped up, you know, dramatically. And they've been left with no choice. It's what they've had to do to get people to sit up and take notice and you know Dion Pang like you say having the cheek to come out and call for more patience is just a disgrace really um the, the comments are so out of touch and you know it, it just 
it seems like he, he's so out of touch with the whole thing, probably had his head buried in the sand if he, he thinks that he has the right or Dayong has the right to any more time because, you know, he, he, they've had more than enough time to have talks with people over the sale of the club. It should have already been wrapped up months ago. Completely agree, Andy. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, things will start moving thanks to the pressure that's been put on by the Reading fans. Um, I don't want to see this situation any longer. Um, it's, you know, as a club that I used to go to the old Elm Park and, you know, the Badesi Stadium during those early years, it's it's upset me a lot. It's upset me a lot over a period of time. And although, yes, this is a Bournemouth show, you know, I think the whole of football has to come together because, you know, a lot of Bournemouth fans will say that Reading are rivals. Um, but without football clubs, there can be no rivalry. Would you agree? Exactly that. I think one of the most heartwarming things to see throughout this whole situation is, for the for the most part, uh, opposition fans have been fantastic with their support and sympathy. Um, you know, you, you don't have to look any further than the way that Port Vale fans responded on Saturday. They were fantastic. You know, there's been an outpouring on, on social media from so many different fans that I've seen um, giving their sympathies and support to Reading. So that, that's so, so great to see. And, you know, all football fans need that because this could happen to any club. This really could. You know, it, it could, you know, it could, if circumstances had gone differently, it could have happened to Hull City had Dayong taken over. We've seen that happen to Barry. We've seen that happen to Macclesfield. You know, Southend have had their problems. You know, this really could happen to anyone. Um and I think most football fans are very aware of that. And the ones that aren't, hopefully, have had their eyes opened to, to what can happen. Yep, definitely. And it, it shows as well, you know, what a good bunch of fans, Reading fans are as well. Because after, you know, the abandonment, and of course, Port Vale is a long way away. Stoke-on-Trent is a long way from mm. Reading. Um, you know, the support that they've given for the John Rudge statue is phenomenal. I think that's up to about 6,000 now, isn't it? Yeah, I think it went, went over 6,000 today, which is just amazing. It's so classy of the Reading fans, and uh, I expect uh, other fans as well have chipped in brilliantly. Um, but for the Reading fans to show their appreciation of what the Port Vale fans did for them, you know, that's something that won't be forgotten. Um, I think it's something that, you know, th these fans could form a great relationship and you know you know they'll be forever indebted for what what they've done for each other yeah definitely definitely well thank you so much for coming on andy um keep up the fantastic work that you are doing um finding your way through what must be one of the most difficult jobs in football at the moment trying to make head and tail of it all um because there's some strange things as well that are coming out of China. Um, some, you know, I even read a whole Twitter feed um, mm. the other day from a guy called Mike Gao. And, you know, I had to read it once and twice. I was like, 
really don't understand this. And it was only when somebody actually put it into context that I actually got it. Um, so I don't envy your job at the moment. I've got to say that. It's yeah, it's, it's been a real learning curve over the last couple of years, um, having to you know familiarise yourself with the finances and you know the sanctions that come along with that and the punishments that go along with that, the EFL regulations. Yeah, it, it's something that I'd never really expected to have to cover. Um, but it has been, well, in a perverse kind of way, great experience. You know, it kind of has been really tiring as well to have to keep covering the same things. You know, mm -hmm. the financial issues is not something that you want to cover. Um, but yeah, it has been a real learning curve. And thankfully, there's been some fantastic people out there uncovering these issues and what is going on in China is really complex um yeah thankfully there are people out there who are experts and know much more about these issues but um yeah i have to say thank you for everyone for their support and you know highlighting these issues that are going on at reading you know not just reading fans but people like yourselves um who are taking the time to highlight these issues it, it's so important well here we're going to continue banging the drum because like i say born and bred in the town you know half of me is blue and white half of me is red and black you can see that um so i am going to continue you know banging the drum and making sure that you know we'll do that until the day that this man is out of reading football club and reading football club are saved by somebody who that guardian angel is don't know but i'm sure they're out there and i'm sure you know, Reading Football Club, let's be fair, are have got the facilities to be a Premier League club. Somebody will come in, I'm sure. Yeah, fingers crossed. You know, that it's, it's what what we need. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you again, Andy, and no doubt we'll catch up with you very, very soon. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Remember to hit the like, subscribe, the bell button. We are going to be covering this in a lot, lot, lot more detail over these coming weeks. So make sure that you subscribe so you can get all the lowdown. Do watch my chat with Nick Holton as well, um, which goes into lots and lots and lots of detail. Um, do also please check out the fact-finding um video that i did so um what i did was i collated as much information together as possible um about the situation and the amounts of debt and the amounts of money that's going around so you know do please take a watch of that as well um there may be a couple of things which are repeated in all of these videos um but we're not going to stop banging this drum until Dai Yong is out but until next video Thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.